All right, well, once again, welcome everyone. Great to see you, those here in person. Great to see your smiling eyes behind the mask, great. And for those watching online, whether on our live stream or later on on our YouTube channel, welcome. My name's Joe Crummy. I'm gonna be speaking today, and we're gonna continue our series on formation, the way of Jesus, and we've been examining as a church. So for those of you who were a couple weeks ago, do you remember what I had in my hand? Plato, Play that's right. And what we're using Plato kind of to represent our lives that whether we know it or not, our lives here on planet Earth are being molded and shaped and formed by the culture around us. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus and maybe some who are still in that early days of becoming a follower of Jesus, what we realize is sometimes we aren't necessarily being formed and shaped to become more like Jesus. We're actually being formed and shaped to become all kinds of different things. And one of the things that we've been looking at is this whole sort of definition of spiritual formation. And so I think I have the um, definition up there, and this one hopefully you've got memorized, you're getting there. And we borrow this one from Robert Mulholland, who says this, spiritual formation, it's the process of being formed, that's shape, mold it, into the image of Christ for the sake of others. Because we truly believe that if Jesus is formed in us, that's the best thing we can do for planet Earth. So if we want to change the world, and you want to be a better student, you might want to be, how can I be to my spouse, to my kids, kids to my parents, at the workplace, your teammate, how can I help change the world? We're believing by becoming more like Jesus, that's the best thing we can do for planet Earth. And we're about this whole thing of spiritual formation. And so, two weeks ago, one of the questions I asked you was this, who do you think or what do you think is one of the biggest influencers on your life? Do I have any brave people who might just want to give an answer? I know you're talking about this some in your life groups and things. As you reflect on your life, what or who is one of the biggest influencers on your life? Does anyone want to, if you're on the live stream, you can maybe post. Parents, thank you. I'm glad that someone responded. Thank you, because I've got my little list here. I'll go to it if I need to. Parents have a big influence on our lives, both positively and negatively sometimes, but it's an, they're an influence. What else? Brothers. Micah, thank you. And Micah, happy birthday, by the way. All right. Brothers, that's right. Siblings. You can see family has a big influence on us. Do you know that some TikTok users have like millions of followers and their, their job, what, you know what they're called? They're called inf influencers. That's what their title is. So there's lots of different things that mold us and shape us and influence us. And so what we find from the Bible and as followers of Jesus is this, we want to be molded and shaped and formed by God, and God does that through all kinds of different ways, and we're taking some special time, in a sense, to look at those processes and how we can be involved. And one of the things we realize that there's a battle going on for our lives, for our identities, for our souls, that there's all kinds of different voices that want to conform us and shape us and mold us to be like them. And Jesus, 
as we've just been singing about this morning. And so all the things that we've been singing about and Gary coming and Bronwyn and just sharing God's heart and how much God loves us and that his love endures. And sometimes we fall and fail and sometimes we're discouraged and sometimes all those things, we go up and down and all around. God is faithful. God is continuous. God's eternal. God's love. And Jesus, who came, and as we celebrate at Christmas, came to planet Earth, God in the flesh. He came to save us from our sins and from ourselves and Satan and death. He came to be an example for us. And Jesus said this, and he says it to us 2,000 years later, an invitation to come and follow him. If you really want to experience what life is all about, it's to know God and have relationship. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the gate. I'm the resurrection and the life. All the I am statements. And Jesus gives this invitation to come and follow him. And he says this. This is the opportunity part. If you come to me, I will give you rest. I will give you peace with God. And there's an opportunity to follow him and be about having a purpose that goes beyond just this life, but is about eternity to come. And Jesus says there's a cost to it. In order to follow me, you've got to stop following yourself. So Jesus is saying, you've got to deny yourself, come and follow me. And he says, and let's go about a great adventure. And Jesus is all about bringing his kingdom of heaven back to planet earth. It started out that way in the garden, Adam and Eve. It got ruined by sin, disobedience, rebellion against God. We see the effects of it every day. We're selfish, and there's hate and enemies and all those things. And Jesus is coming to restore, just as we're singing about, heaven to earth. And as we're part of his kingdom and part of his family, God works through us to bring heaven to earth. And what we're talking about, and I'm hoping that you get the heart behind it, is I'm hoping there's a yes in your heart to saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be part of this kingdom. I want to be part of God bringing heaven to earth. But I don't always know how to best do that. Or I kind of start, and then sometimes I stop. And this is what we're talking about. We need help. And one of the things we're looking at is this. And we use this illustration of a plant. And this is my trusty trellis here. If you know anything about vines, as a vine begins to grow, it needs support. It needs something to help cultivate and facilitate. And in one of our life groups, we're talking about how a trellis actually protects the plant as well. And we want the plant to grow, and we want the plant to flourish, and we want the plant to bear fruit. And Jesus talks about us being like plants. He's the vine, we're the branches. And sometimes we need a framework, and this is what we've been talking about, We need a framework in our lives to help us to grow in Christ, to help us mature, to help us to bear fruit that looks like Jesus. And we need help, most of us, I think, would say. And we're talking with this, and we use this definition from a pastor in Vancouver named Ken Shigematsu, who said this, our framework of life, if you use the trellis as a framework of life, this is his definition, a pattern of practices that supports our friendship with Jesus so that we bear the fruit of Jesus' character, we experience Jesus' presence in everything, and it helps us offer Jesus' nourishing life to others. Whew, what a great definition. So the things we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks and months, 
We're going to be talking. Next week, I'm going to start this. We're going to talk about the Word of God. Gary's going to come and talk about prayer. We're going to talk about Sabbath and having rest. We're going to talk about the help of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how do we handle our finances and that that sometimes controls our lives. These are the practical things, everyday life, that we're going to develop together a framework to say, okay, I'm going to put some anchors in my life so I'm not just drifting along by whatever the world does. Now, before I go any further, this is one thing I hope to make clear because I'm more than just a life coach up here today, although I hope this helps and I hope I am kind of coaching and encouraging you. But sometimes we can view life like this. So you're gonna have to bear with me because I know this is really tiny. I'm sorry on the live stream, but this is my pie. So I borrowed this from which game? Trivial Pursuit, otherwise known as the pie game. Thank you, Jack. And in the pie game, here's the, here's the thing. This is what, I'm going to use this as an example of kind of how we can sometimes view our life. So you've got to see if you can follow me on this one, okay? This is our life, kind of in pie shape. And this is what we can do. I couldn't get the blue or green one out of there. We'll start with that. This is what we can do in life. We can go, okay, I've got my work life or my school life, and so that's part of my life. And then we go, okay, I'm going to add in finances, so money and where I'm going to, you know, buy clothes and rent and housing and mortgages and all that. So that's a part of my life. And then I got to get some exercise and I got to, you know, so that's going to be part of my life. And we put that in. Oh, that's a hard one to get in there. And then we're going, okay, well, oh, social, I got to have a, so, you know, I got to have some friends and all these things. So that's going to be another piece of my life. And I got a couple more pieces here. And then we go, okay, what else am I missing in there? We're going to have, I missed that one. Sorry, Jack. We're going to have I'm going to say some fun, okay? So leisure, recreation. And then we realize, you know what? Maybe one piece I'm missing, I'm missing a spiritual piece. So I'm going to find something spiritual to kind of have a fulfilled and balanced life. So there's the fun part. And there's this. So this is what we can do. We can say, okay, there, my life is now full, it's balanced. I've got six different parts of my life. We're kind of got an equal thing in there. And that's not necessarily wrong or evil or anything like this, but what can happen unintentionally, and this is what I do not want to happen going through what we're going through, is, I'm going to see if I can get one of them out, is that sometimes unintentionally, we don't even mean it, this is what can happen. We can make Jesus, church, spirituality, one-sixth or maybe one-eighth or one-tenth, depending upon how many. And we can very much compartmentalize to go, okay, I'm going to go to work all day. I'm going to go to school all day. I've got my sports. I've got my friends. I've got my fun time. And oh, I go, I go to church on Sunday. So there's my balanced life. And folks, this is what I want to get through. What we're talking about, a framework of life, is not just sort of adding Jesus as one-sixth or one-eighth or one-tenth. Jesus is the whole of life. And when we talk about our name of a church is Christ central, what we're talking about, we want Christ at the center of the whole of our lives. And the things that we're talking about, and we're saying, okay, we want some time to be in God's word, and we're going to take a look at what does it mean to pray, and we're what we're talking about, that framework of life, what did it say? We want to grow in our friendship with Jesus. We want to grow in our character, 
and the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit, we want to grow in our love and our kindness, and our gentleness, our self-control, all those different things. We want to become more aware of God's presence, God speaking, God's with us all the time. And we want, wherever we go, because of Jesus being at the center and Jesus permeating every aspect of our lives, we hope people are going to be fed, that they're going to be encouraged, that maybe we're going to speak some truth into their life, that are going to maybe just be a bit of a wake-up call. Maybe we're going to demonstrate different love where everyone else is kind of responding this way. We're going to react in a different way. Do you see that Jesus at the center affects everything? So we want Jesus at your workplace and in your schools. We want Jesus in your sports and fun time. We want Jesus at the center of everything. And so we want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. We want to obey and be Jesus every, in every aspect of our lives because Jesus is interested in the whole of our lives. So here's a biblical verse to sort of summarize that, and it's from Romans 12. And Paul, who's a Christian, writing to the church in Rome, he spent 11 chapters, which are all pretty detailed, in much greater detail than I just said. But he sums it up with this, and this is from the message, which is basically a bit of a paraphrase from the Bible. But I just find how Eugene Peterson expresses this, summarizes it so well. So I think we have it up here. So this is what after explaining everything, Paul says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, so it's not on your own, God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. And if you want to learn more about that, Mark has been speaking from Ephesians about all of those things. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's what we've been trying to do here. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. And here's that Plato, isn't it? He develops well-formed maturity in you. And that's the process of a lifetime. And briefly, I just want to give one Old Testament example of someone who had a framework of life. And if you don't quite understand the framework, it's okay. We're building something here every week. And so, just bear, keep working with us. That this gentleman in the Old Testament had a framework of life that helped God be at the center of every aspect of his life. And for a moment, we're just going to take briefly a look at a guy named Daniel in the Old Testament. So maybe you've heard of Daniel. He's famous for being Daniel in the lion's den. Thank you. So here's the context. And you've got to use your imagination a little bit, okay? You've got to work with me because just kind of put yourself in Daniel's shoes. I'll create the context. And I want you to really think and kind of feel and imagine what it would be like. And there's actually a few people in our church who have been through some of this similar experience in our day and in our time. So Daniel's a young person. He's growing up in his city, in Israel. He's being trained to become a leader, and he's kind of probably more in the 
university track and able to be equipped and he's gonna become a leader. And all of a sudden, like in one day, his life absolutely changes. His country gets invaded, they lose, they're defeated terribly. And guess what happens? The invading country of Babylon takes all these young leaders and deports them back to their home city. So if you can imagine, can you just feel that for a minute? You're going along, you're on track for a good job and good education and all this, and then suddenly you lose a war, you're enslaved, you're deported, and you are now no longer with your family, your friends, your culture, your language. And Daniel ends up in Babylon, and this is what happens. They would take some of the brightest in that from the country they just defeated, and the Babylonians would then put them sort of in their universities. And all of a sudden, Daniel is now being educated about arts and culture and religion and science and philosophy from a whole different worldview and belief system from what he came from. Does that sound a little bit familiar in our day and age? And so some of our physical people here today have been in countries, wars broken out, they've had to flee, and everything changes. And for even those of us who are maybe Canadians right now and grew up in Canada and born in Canada, as a Christian, can you understand that kind of the world we live in is a little bit different from and has different beliefs and values and priorities than what the Bible says to us? And then it gets even worse. Babylon, Babylon gets conquered by another <laughs> ruler from Persia, and the king of Persia issues a decree that saying that anyone who prays to any god but the king will be killed. So just picture that for a second. Here's Daniel. He's working for the government in a foreign land. He not only works for the government, actually has great wisdom and he contributes and he's a great influence. And if you read his life story in Daniel, his co-workers and his bosses kind of had this love-hate relationship with him. They admired him so much because he was so smart and just did so well, and yet they were jealous of him because he was so smart and did so well. And they tried to actually find out something about his life for to bring him down, and they couldn't find anything. And all they could find was that this guy prays a lot. And they knew there was something different about them. This is what the quote is in Daniel 5.11. This was his reputation. There is a man in whom the spirit of the gods live. He imagined. They're like, something's different about Daniel. So Daniel, the cultural influence, you imagine the pressure to abandon God, forget God, replace God is so great, yet Daniel remained faithful to God. And not only did he remain faithful to God, it actually seems like he thrived in his relationship with God. And so you can say, well, did Daniel have a balanced life? <laughs> I don't think so. But if we look at Daniel's life, this is what we find. Maybe use different terms, but Daniel had a framework in his life that helped him stay connected to God, and that connection to God influenced into his workplace. And we read this about Daniel. 
Daniel had a framework that guided and shaped his decisions and actions in response to the circumstances. He was intentional. And what do we read? Daniel made it his regular practice to return to his room every day and kneel in prayer three times a day. You can read that in Daniel 6.10. He did it so consistently and so regular, his co-workers who were against him were able to easily find him because they knew what he was doing three times a day. And Daniel centered his life on God and received strength and life from God who empowered him to live faithfully for God, even though it might cost him his life. Do you see the framework we're talking about? Daniel, three times a day, okay, I'm going to make prayer and my relationship with God a focus because if I don't, I'm going to be swayed so much from the culture I'm living in. But every time I'm going to meet with God and it says he poured out his petitions to God, his requests to God, it says he gave thanks to God. So you can read some of the content of his prayers he had a big view of God. We were just singing, how great is our God? Daniel had a big view of God, and he was like, God, even though I'm deported, that was all part of your plan. You're working everything together for good. I'm going to keep following you. I'm going to trust you, and I keep seeking you, and the strength I'm receiving, and the love I'm receiving, and the influence that you're having on my life, then I can go back to work, and it permeates into my work. But Hey, by 12 noon, man, I'm under again. I got to come back to God and I got to spend some more time with God and God, I'm seeking you again. I'm thanking you and God, I got a tough thing this afternoon. I'm not quite sure about this, but I'm going to pour it out to you. And then he goes to work all afternoon and God works through him. And then in the evening, God, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for providing. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for keeping me safe. But God, I've got some big meetings tomorrow, so I'm going to pour out. God, would you work through me, Lord? Help me to bring your kingdom every day. Seeking God, being with God, becoming like God. But it wasn't just compartmentalized. Okay, I've done my duty. Tick, I prayed this morning. Now I'm just on with my life. Oh, it's noon hour. Oh, I better do my duty of praying. Oh, but it, then it has no impact on the rest of his life. That's not what we're talking about. So you understand the things we're going to be talking about in this creating a framework. We're trying to say, we're trying to establish some patterns and practices in our lives that allow us to get out of the craziness of life to be with God. God, I need to hear your voice. God, I thank you. I want to be with you. But that time with God, then whatever I'm doing, I'm more aware of God. Oh yeah, God, I prayed about that this morning. I think you're giving an answer. God, you're here with me right now. It permeates into every aspect of our lives. So where do I start? So we're proposing that for some of the things we're going to look at, it, it's going to be customized, but these foundational things, the things we're going to look at the next couple of weeks, we believe are the same for everyone. So we're going to look at the Word of God. Mark was speaking last word, week about how important it is, the truth of God's Word. We're going to take a look next week of how do we actually, what does that actually look like in everyday life? Gary's going to come and talk about prayer, relationship with God. We're going to look at Sabbath and rest. We're going to look at slowing down and making some space. We're going to look at the help of the Holy Spirit, that we're not just in it, and Gary sharing this morning, it's not just our willpower. We're not just talking about our willpower. Oh, I'm going to pray three times a day. God's Spirit is with us to help us. So briefly, and I'm just, I mean briefly, so I'll put this up on the live stream and you can look at it. Here just from King Ken Shigematsu, he gives kind of eight guidelines, so don't let eight overwhelm you. These are really simple, okay? But we'll put these up here. So when we're talking about a framework of life, this is what we're talking about. We begin to incorporate 
and we begin to write down, okay, so Daniel's like, I'm going to pray three times a day. Like it's a non-negotiable, we're going to do it. That's a, that's a very practical example. So we're going to start to add, and we're not doing this all in one day. We're just going to start as we go through these things. Next week, at the end of it, next week you're going to be like, okay, how can I fit in maybe some of the word of God? So for example, this is what we're talking about. Start simply. Whew. Let's just begin small. I gave you an example two weeks ago. 10, 10, 10. You might just want to take 10 minutes when you get up, 10 minutes at noon hour, 10 minutes at night. Just like Daniel. I mean, I don't know how much he took, but that's the principle. Start small. Just set a timer on your phone. 10 minutes. I'm just going to focus. And your mind will go in 100 different directions. You've got to train your mind. That's okay. Just start. 10, 10. I'm just giving you a simple example. But folks, small habits make a big difference. And our habits shape us. Build slowly, it has to be sustainable. So Gary talked about this, you know, we don't just decide tomorrow to run a marathon and by the end of the week we're running a marathon. You're gonna start, you're gonna go for your first run and you're gonna get up the next day and go for your second run you're gonna be like, I'm, I'm, I quit. This is, feels horrible, I quit. Start slow. So don't do, tomorrow morning I'm gonna get up, do an hour of prayer, I'm gonna do an hour of the word and I'm gonna, and by Wednesday you're like, that doesn't work for me, I'm not doing it anymore. Start slow. And maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus yet. Why don't you just do this? We're coming up to Christmas. Why don't you just, in God's Word, in His Bible, there's the book of Luke. Okay, there's 24 chapters. It starts out with the Christmas story. Why don't you just read one chapter a day? That's building something in your life. Just take the book of Luke, one chapter a day. You can do that. And if you don't read, you can get it on audio. So, Number three, so we're just starting simply, we're building slowly, we want to prune regularly, and all I mean by that is this, sometimes we got to cut some things out of our lives. So we might have to say no to some things in order to say yes to some of the things we're talking about. Can I give you one, what do I mean by that? Can I just give you one illustration, okay? Angela, I try to do this, I don't always do this, but what we seek to do is anytime we buy new clothes, we try to give away or get rid of the equivalent that we just bought so that we don't hoard and get too many. That principle applies in so many different things. So we're trying to, if we're getting something new, we're giving something away. That's kind of, okay, be energy conscious. All we're talking about there is like, if you're a night person, you're a night hawk, you might be able to fit some of your framework in at night, but man, if you're not, don't save your quiet time till 11 o'clock at night and you're going to fall asleep within the first 30 seconds. And the same thing, if you're not a morning person, don't try to do all your things at 6 a.m. in the morning. When are you most alive? Like, be self-aware. Fit some things in when you're at your peak, if you're able to. Five, consider your stage of life. We talked about this before. Some of the practices and things in my life in following Jesus looked way different when I was single. It looked way different when I was married with no kids. It, looks way, it looked way different married with young kids. Now I've got older kids. It looks empty nesters if you're retired. All the, there's a lot of changes along the way. Folks, even here in Canada, right now, it's dark like at 4.45. You're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> so my evening walk that was like, hey, the sun sets out and everything, like, it's cold, and you're like, I don't want to go for a walk anymore. Like, you got you to gotta change some things. So I'm going to go for a walk at noon hour now. You get the thing. 
stay flexible. We talked about this. Circumstances change. We went two weeks with kids at home from school and all the COVID changes. And folks, we've said this, the framework, you're not here to try to serve the framework. The framework is here to serve you. So you can change it. So I'll give you one example. Four years in a row, I read through the Bible, like, so, which was what? Five, six chapters a day. And I did that four years in a row. And this year I thought, you know what? I'm just kind of going through it just to get through it, which just being honest on that one. So I'm going to do smaller chunks and I'm just going to meditate and do different things. That's what I've done this year. Because so, still in God's word, but I change things up but I'm still a framework of being God's Word. Make time for fun. I'll give an example. When we do our church weekends, so that's part of the framework of our church life is we haven't been with COVID, but we would do a church weekend because it's important for us to get away once a year. And we built in on purpose a variety show. And I remember one of the first years we did it, we had Don Smith come who is from England and helped us for many years. And Don's can be pretty task oriented. And I honestly, as I was going on the weekend, I was like, how do I tell Don that we're doing a variety show? Because I thought Don would say, you're wasting time. Like, that's the whole session you could have been worshiping and reading God's word and everything. So I was a little bit nervous. And I was like, uh, Don, I'm kind of, we're kind of doing a variety show on the Saturday night. I hope you're okay with that and everything. And he was like, that's awesome. And I was like, that wasn't the answer I was expecting. And Don said, who was in his 70s at the time, he's like, we've forgotten how to have fun in our churches. He was like, that's awesome. Because we got to have some fun together. So in this framework, it's not just duty, duty. It's like, I don't know what works for you, but you can bring some things that are going to, it's good to laugh. Like there's a healing thing. <laughs> Laughter is good medicine. <laughs> we got to put some things in and include community that everything we're talking about here, we want to work out that we need each other and our families and our church family that we can live this out. We can't do it in isolation. And really, for Christ to be formed in us, God's Word is very clear. We got to be part of a, His body in order for that to happen. We get to do this together. Okay, in closing, this is not a year, New Year's resolution. I'm not your life coach trying to get you a balanced life or a quick fix. We're trying to develop a pattern of practices that help center our lives on Jesus enabling us to become more aware and receptive to the work of the Holy Spirit who transforms us inside and out. So I'm going to ask, I think, Julia, are you coming? Is it you and Daniel or Daniel? Okay, come on up, Daniel. And both of you, Daniel and Julia Thompson, in our church. And just in closing, I've asked them to come and share because Daniel and Julia have been, a lot of the things we're talking about, They've got a bit of a head start on us. Why don't you come right up? I'll, I'll stay over here, and I think they can see you on the live stream and that. They've had a bit of a head start, because for the last year or so, or whatever, they'll share a bit of the story. They've been putting some of these things into practice. So I just thought it would be great to hear from them. And Daniel and Julia, thank you for sharing. And kind of, you know, what was going on in your life to maybe look at making some changes? What changes did you make? And sort of what are some of the good things from that? I'll just let you guys share, okay? Thank you. Sure. So yeah, it's been quite a process, as Joe kind of mentioned. Um, <laughs> I, uh, working full time, two little kids, um, started my master's when Alice was a baby, um, 
just basically my, I think our lives became a big checklist, a to-do list. Mm -hmm. um, and through all of that, uh, spiritual things became part of the checklist. Um, and then during COVID, it was sort of an opportunity to realize that slowing down had some benefits <laughs> to our family life and to um, our relationship. And that sort of started the uh, opening that door and exploring what that meant for our family. Uh, at the same time, I was given more responsibilities at work as well. Um, so it kind of felt like everything was coming to a head at once. Um, which can I was just stop and say, can anyone relate to what <laughs> Julia's sharing? Yeah, like, so it was all kind of yep. reaching a crescendo. Mm -hmm. um, and then in this past September, so we kind of made some choices and decisions after COVID about me reducing my work hours and saw God's favor in that, that he was faithful to uh, allow that to happen despite everything that seemed to be against it. I guess you could say in the world, you might not want to go and ask your boss for that time when you've been given more responsibility, um, but God was very faithful. So through that, um, then in September, uh, just closer uh, to where we are today, Daniel um, didn't receive a job immediately. He applied to, I think, 89 positions over the summer. Um, and it sort of felt like we were even more maxed out than ever before, just trying to write job applications and um, pray through all of that and realizing that we had um, a lot of areas in our life where, um, apart from just work, but where we weren't maybe trusting and relying in Jesus and had that closeness. Um, and so then, just want to stay on tracks. So we're not too long. Yeah. So then out of that, realizing, okay, well, God asked me to um, pick the kids up from school a little bit earlier and that kind of thing. So really practical stuff like finding childcare and trusting him with that and cool story. But essentially he pointed me directly to one single person to ask. And so it's, it's been really neat to see God be faithful in those things that seem small, but are yes. actually pretty big. Um, so we decided through this process then to become much more intentional. Um, coming out of Daniel, not getting a job in the beginning of September, um, and kind of realizing some of those weaknesses in our walk, um, we decided to evaluate different areas in our life yes. where we really needed to make changes and make decisions that would impact our day-to-day -day habits, um, our commitments, our work life, our activities, things that we took on or didn't take on. Um, so through that process, it meant um, looking at our money, our finances, and what we did with that, um, and activities the kids were involved in. We set aside Sabbath um, and kind of instituted other different practices like quiet time, which I really have a challenge with quiet time. <laughs> I can too. get up early, no problem, 5.30, sure, mm -hmm. whatever, I'm a morning bird, but um, it's hard for me to sit still. For, mm -hmm. for 10 minutes even, and mm -hmm. feel like I'm being unproductive. Yep. So that's been um, really, <laughs> still not very good at it, um, especially when I get interrupted by little kids who choose to get up very early too. <laughs> but so it's all a process, a right? flexible framework. <laughs> yes, exactly. And God has grace and, and knows, right? So um, trusting God through all of these little things. Um, one thing that we have been doing um, and that we started through uh, when Daniel didn't get a job initially was fasting so mm -hmm. all right um, so I started to think about fasting because it came up through the word in, yeah. through the word and um, so 
where it was in the section where they're talking about Daniel, actually, yes. and they're talking about fasting. And one day I said to Julia, you know, I'm thinking of starting to try fasting. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, I was thinking about that, too. And so uh, I started to do some research into it. And one of the first things that came up in the research I was doing was this is not a hunger strike against God, <laughs> which was in my heart, really, what yeah. I wanted to do. I was going to hunger strike until he gave me a job. It worked for Gandhi. It should work for me, right? Right, yep. Um, sort of thing. So, but, uh, so I had to change my heart into what fasting really was about. Can you and say it, that again, please? I had to change my heart. One more time. <laughs> I had to change my heart. Okay, keep going. So keep I on. had to change my heart um, into, like, and look into what fasting really was about. And I discovered that it was more about uh, weakening the flesh to form a reliance on the spirit. Good. And uh, through that, we found that, you know, we got answers and we also uh, got peace. Yes. It was more because, like, I entered September still fasting and no job. And then through a series of rather unconventional events, <laughs> like I didn't get my job the normal way yeah. by applying. I ended up starting in a long-term supply. It was a very... God, like you yep. can, if you're looking back, you can see yes. God's strategic placement. I started in a long-term supply, and there was a D part-time D contract there, and I applied to it. And then, to my surprise, not only did they give me the D contract, but they said we're going to keep you on the long-term wow. supply, so you have full days. So I'll have full days at least until January. And then that's great. There's at the school I'm at. There's still some uncertainty of next term, so there's possibility for more work there, and even possibility of work continuing into next year so the doors have opened so it was a really it was a hard year to get work for a lot of decontract teachers yeah. so we saw God being very faithful through that um, but all of this essentially kind of showed us how changing our, our practices um, could also shift and change our own desires as yes. well and that there was this connection between the physical choices that we were making and then our spiritual desires as well um, and that our, our commitment to him being shifted from the commitments that we, the other commitments we had, um, but it meant that we had to kind of ruthlessly examine our lives and where we were at, and trust that God understood and loved us. Um, and uh, and through all of this, I um, I run, and so when I run, I kind of process things and talk to God. Um, and twice He gave me these two pictures that I still have been mulling over. Um, one is I'm an archivist, and so my job is actually preserving things so that they're useful in the future. And the only reason I have a job is because everything degrades over time. Nothing stays the same. Nothing stays like it was originally. Um, and that includes us. So as we go through life, um, pieces get chipped away and things change and we kind of need maintenance. And uh, I was running and God kind of said, you know, you're like a, a TIFF file. That would mean a lot to many people, but if, if you make a JPEG out of a TIFF, you're compressing the file and you lose these bits and bytes of data and you can never get back to the TIFF from that file. Like you can never return it to its original state. It is what it is. And as time goes on, no matter what you do, it can degrade and become corrupt and inaccessible too. Like if you've ever put a disk in your computer from 2006 and you want to look at the photos and you can only see some of them, right? Mm. Um, and I felt like God said, what, I'm, what I do is totally the antithesis of, of that. You know, I actually take you from 
this crappy little compressed image JPEG and I revert you closer to the original and I make you, I add to you. Um, and so that's the opposite of every other thing in our lives. So it's not how we're used to thinking about things. Um, so then I was on another run and I felt like God was explaining to me how he does that. Um, and it's like Joe was talking, mm -hmm. he's mentioned the word pattern in the sermon that that pattern is provided through the Bible. And I'd been knitting a vest and I was knitting the left front and it was a really weird pattern. And I was like, I'm just gonna trust the pattern and do what it says. I don't know what it's doing. I don't know how I'm gonna get the right side knit. This makes no sense. I was out for a run and we were going through everything with Daniel's job. And I felt like God said, just trust the pattern. I'm doing the same thing, just keep going stitch by stitch, step by step, don't look at the whole thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just gonna make you closer and closer yes. to Jesus and to the original. And um, yeah, so how do we do that? Through the pattern that's in the word um, and the practices that have been put in place that we can see there. So um, I know I'm kind of going on, but um, oh, those are two really I, wanted, I wanted to just say one other thing, because you yep. said about um, having fun. And it's not all about, um, you mentioned cost as well. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that. It's not all cost. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've seen God be kind of show that to us through this as well, um, that he's also been restoring things that yes. um, bring us joy that we had forgotten about. So like an example of that is um, when I was doing my master's one day, I remember I stood in the kitchen and I was bawling. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> and what was I thinking? When I'm done, I don't want to use my brain. I just want to paint. <laughs> and uh, Daniel was like, you should. And so I was praying into that. And uh, at one point when I was done, I thought, well, maybe that's really selfish to want to like go out and start doing art again like I really love doing art but maybe that's another commitment that I shouldn't be making um, where does that line fall mm -hmm. and I was praying about it and asking God and thought like yes yeah, something I really want to do but maybe it's just my flesh because I've been thinking a lot about yeah. my flesh versus the spirit and uh, the next day I was doing through the word in the morning and it was all about the artisans who designed the temple and the skills that God had given them to design and craft and make these amazing things. And I went, okay. <laughs> so I signed up for an art class. And so it's been really cool to see how God is, is restoring and adding things back in. Yeah. Guys, that's great. Just stay here for a second. Yeah, you can give, thank you for sharing. And congratulations on finishing oh, your master's as well. All right, so Dan, Julia, just, there's a lot in there what they shared, but hope you're hearing that making some decisions, pace of life, unsustainable, stress, different things, time out, we gotta make some changes, we gotta put some other priorities in, and then seeing as they've done that, out of obedience, and as it, it is, it's not, you know, you begin, but seeing then the fruit of those things. That's the, the practical everyday life, that God speaks to you when you're out on a run. God speaks to you through these different things, and God molds and shapes. So I know our time's gone. So maybe what, let's do this. If everyone maybe can just stand if you're able. And I don't know, Joel, if we'll do a final song, if that's okay. Um, but Julie, can you maybe just pray? Pray yeah. for those online, pray for us here. And there might be other people who are in a similar situation as you and for Daniel, but you know, just maybe feeling overwhelmed, but maybe not knowing where to even start that God would give them strength and guidance as we go through this. Sure. Would you please do that? Yeah, thank Father, you. We, we thank you for 
this opportunity really that you have given us through COVID um, to, to have time and space to evaluate. But Lord, our, we just recognize that our lives in this day and age are yes. a checklist and that so many things take effort um, that we don't have and we do come to the end of ourselves. And Lord, I just pray for, for each of us that you would that you would take us there to that place, Father, where we recognize our need for you and our own inadequacy, um, yes. and that we would, in that humble position, be able to to turn and, and rely on you and to just pivot in those areas in our lives that you put your finger on, God. Would you be faithful to do that in each of us, to show us in your kindness and your grace, because you're yes. so gentle about it, Father, that yes. where we need you um, and where over time we have taken our trust um, and taken it from Jesus and put it in ourselves. And God, uh, that you just strip those things away, yes. and, but that it wouldn't be all cost, God, that you would restore yes. and make new, because you're in the business of renewal. And so I just thank you, God, that really it is, it is a place of joy and of peace and, and calm when we can do that, when we can come to the end of our rope and just um, trust and rely in you. And so I pray, Father, that you would fill us with your spirit, Yes. that you'd give us um, just direction, Father, mm -hmm. and, uh, and wisdom. We mm -hmm. need so much wisdom, God, in this culture. Yes. Um, and we, we need you, Jesus, to permeate every aspect of our lives. I pray, God, that you would do that in our church family. Yes. And uh, you'd build the body up. Yes. And, and strengthen us so that we can go out into the city and into the world in a, in a more meaningful way and uh, in a way that brings your kingdom more powerfully. Yes. In Jesus' name I pray. I pray. Amen. Amen.